Elam. What a what a privilege and an honor to be here. You know, I, I was just thinking, forget my glasses. I reckon this morning's all about Matt's shoes. <laughs> Matt, they they rock. The only way you get those shoes better is to remove the bumblebees and put jet planes on them. All right, all right. I actually I actually genuinely was asked if I need these glasses or if it was just all about fashion. Trust me, if I take them off, you just all blur into one. So I do need them. Um, we, yeah, we do, have a, we do have quite a family link. You used to tear up town on your bike with Sue's and um, one of Craig's brothers was actually vice, my best man at our wedding. So we go way back. And I can genuinely tell you that Suzanne and I are older than the carpet in our church. We've been there that long. Um, and we do love it. And our Super Kids holiday program is now generational. We've got the kids of the original Super Kids sending their kids to our holiday program. So what were we thinking? <laughs> 350 kids a day. Anyway, you love God? Great. I want to ask you a question this morning, folks. How many of you, like me, have been reading the Bible and uh, one day you're reading through this passage and you were like, wait, what? I never saw that before. Anyone like that? Read the Bible and you've had that experience? Well, that happened to me a little while ago. Uh, I was reading through the Old Testament and I, I was reading through a story which I'd read many, many times before. And all of a sudden, I was, it was like a, a, a nuclear bomb went off in my head. And I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about preaching in front of a cinema screen because I have 25 of these that go 24-7 in my brain. You know, each and, every, each and every one of you, God has given each and every one of you a superpower. Any, any one of you superheroes here this morning? Or is it just me? <laughs> you know, the God-given superpower that you have is your imagination. And when I read the Bible, I'd like to put myself into the story as best I can. And uh, I was reading this story, and I did that. I, I cranked up the, the cinema screens in my head and cranked into the imagination. And I'm sitting there as I'm reading this, and I'm in the story, and I was like, no way. It's a story I've read many, many times before, but I'd never seen what God showed me that morning. And I was utterly stunned in the grace and the love and the promised hope that is in this story. In actual fact, I was so gobsmacked, I was left with nothing else to do but worship. I was sitting there with my coffee. I mean, and if you know me, for me to let coffee go cold, that's a big thing. And I let my coffee go cold because I was so blown away by what I read and left me with nothing else but worship. It was mind-blowing, it was deep, and apart from Jesus, I don't think... I'd ever seen such magnificent hope in a passage in the scriptures before. And I want to show you that this morning. So if you're taking notes this morning, my message is called Hope in the Valley. But before we go anywhere else, I think we should just, let's just make this a sacred moment. Hey, can we just lean in and let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for the goodness, the grace, the unending love, the unbending desire to see the best for us. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, I know you've, you've laced and locked this into my heart so deeply, but even if I try and tell it, it will be flawed without you. And so I'm asking again, Holy Spirit, we know you're here by the word of God, because it says if there's two or more gathered in your name, you're in our midst. So we know by the word of God you're here. 
But Lord, I pray that we would know you're here by personal experience, personal encounter. Lord, would you take your word and plant it in our hearts this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to dig into Ezekiel chapter 37, first 10 verses, 1 through 10. As I start to read it, I know you'll recognize it. Here we go. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, and this is what I really love about being in front of a cinema screen, let your imagination explode. As I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Any, any, any um, science freaks in here who love to play with magnets and chase magnets around or watch them get sucked across the table? I kind of, this is... This is where my brain goes, you know, there's a leg bone six feet that way, and there's a backbone 10 feet that way. And so, <laughs> can you see it? Mildly terrifying, but totally exhilarating. Bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them all, covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I reckon Steven Spielberg or George Lucas needs to read that. There'll be a, at least a 10-movie series comes out of this. Now, I am sure many of you have, will have either heard or you'll have read this passage before, this text, and it, it literally does prophesy hope. But what I want to show you this morning is just how much hope there is in this. Here's the first thing as I was reading this. When God spoke to Ezekiel, he was in exile. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He wasn't in Judea. He wasn't even in Israel. He was beside a river in Babylon. And, I'm, and I was like, and so my, my, my brain went geography, <laughs> covered desert, sand, river. And then suddenly the voice of God grabs him. And as I read this, just this thing exploded in my spirit. You know what? It doesn't matter. It's re regardless of where you are right now, you do not need to be separated from God. You do not need to be separated from God. God can speak to you even if you feel like you are in ex exile, even if you feel like you are separated, even if you feel like you have been removed, even if you feel like you are wandering aimlessly through a desert, even if you feel like the heavens are brass and the stars have gone out and the moon is green, God can speak to you. 
How do I know that? Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39 says this, For I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. It's in the Word of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I was reading through my notes this morning, I mean, I I look around here and there's probably only about four or five people that, that I know or recognize in this whole gathering. And as I was reading, I just felt so compelled this morning to say this. If you are in this church this morning and you feel like you have been wandering through the desert or if you feel like you are in exile or if you feel like you've come to church this morning and you go, God, I'm going to give you one more shot. I want to say to you this morning, welcome home. Welcome home. There's a place for you here. There is the hope and the love, the joy and the restoration of God for you here. Welcome home. Father, right now, Lord, you know, you know the very deep secret places of our heart, the place where we have conversations that no one else can hear, but you do. Lord, you are the God of immeasurable love and restoration. And right now we lift up every heart that is in that place of struggle or complete wandering and wondering. Lord, would you reach out and touch those hearts right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. The second thing that God showed me in this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack it quite significantly, was there is no place that God won't go for those he loves and those he desires to restore. How do I know that from this story? See, we know that Ezekiel was in exile, but the scriptures say that God took him and placed him. in. And I, I want you to note this. It says in the scriptures, put me in the valley, not a valley, but it says the valley. Where God took Ezekiel from exile to was a worse place to a worse place for a Jewish man or a Jewish person. He took him to a valley that was a valley that was virtual annihilation. In actual fact, it was worse than annihilation. It was utter desecration. In the midst of the valley, in the midst of the valley, it was full of bones, and he caused me to pass by them all around. Now I don't know if you understand this or not, but in Jewish culture, it was forbidden to be where, where, where death and, and bones and graves were accepted, like if it was a family member or something like that. And if you hung out where there were bones or if you touched anything that was dead, you were literally considered unclean and you were removed from community. You were put into isolation. There's a word we understand. You were put into a place of isolation until you had gone through a number of cleansing processes and you were deemed clean again by the priest. And God, just like, how scandalous of God to take a Jewish man and place him right in the middle of where he would be unclean. God, um, are you breaking your rules now? 
Why do I use the word utter desecration? And why does it say he placed him in the valley? Go back two books earlier in the Old Testament to Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And that day, says the Lord, the enemy will break open the graves of the kings and the officials of Judah and the graves of the priests, the prophets, and the common people of Jerusalem. They will spread out their bones on the ground before the sun, moon, and stars, the gods that my people have served and worshipped. Their bones will not be gathered up again or buried, but will be scattered on the ground like manure. Now, why did they do that? Why did they? I mean, there wasn't even whole skeletons. Like, they were scattered. That's why the bones had to come together. The bones were broken apart, thrown away. This was done not just by the enemies of Jerusalem or enemies of the Israelites. This was done, by, this was done even by the, the kings of Jerusalem when they were dealing with all the false prophets and all of the Baal worshippers and everything. They would open up the graves and they would scatter the bones. They would burn them. They would leave them out exposed to the sun. Why? Because it was a way to declare that this ground was cursed. This ground was literally unsalvageable. And the, the bones of the people, gone. They were unsalvageable people. And yet God puts Ezekiel in the middle of this. And then, get this, how's the audacity of God? He goes, bro, you reckon they can live? I, I, the, the depth of Ezekiel comes to the fore here when he says, God, only you know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not even going to try and answer I'm just going to go, God, you know. But it says that they were indeed very, very dry. They, they were burnt by the sun to the point of being bleached, bare, burned white. No evidence of life was on them or in them. And you know what? As I was reading this, in my spirit, I heard voices. How can I live? How can I believe? How can I hope? Where do I go in the midst of where I am right now? How, where is the exit door? Where, where's, where's my, my true north? How do I move? How do I even begin to hope again? And an ache rose in me, and yet there was an, uh, there was an overwhelming sense of the depth of God's love. I saw many people whose lives where their hope had been stolen, their future had seemingly been killed, and they were on the verge of being destroyed. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this event, as I was reading, it just blew my mind. And I believe today you're here to hear the word of hope. God sees, he knows, he loves. So what's needed? Very quickly, number one, God, the per uh, Jesus, the person. When Jesus walked on earth, he walked amongst the people. He walked amongst those who culture said, don't touch. When God took Ezekiel through that valley of bones and he walked amongst he walked amongst the remains that God's law said don't touch. It was a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to do when he walked amongst people that culture said don't touch. What is needed? Jesus the person. What is needed? Jesus the word. He said to me prophesy O dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. These are plans for good, but not, to, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 10, verse 17, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that hearing, and for those who are grammar police, that, that word hearing is present continuous. It's hearing and hearing 
and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I've often said this to, to my church down in Blenheim. You know, we don't just get into, into God's word. We let God's word get into us. So what is needed? Jesus, the person. Jesus, the word. Number three, Jesus, the breath. If I may be so bold, when it comes to the Bible, many people get frustrated right here at this point. They read the word. They've heard the word. They can even recite the word. But then nothing changes. Let's read the word that prophesied by Ezekiel. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. What is that breath? So glad you asked. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. You know the phenomenon that took place in the valley of dry bones? Essentially was what happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, when you read the Old Testament, we read the, the real, the actual, and the factual. And when we bring that into the New Testament and we overlay it, we see the real and the actual and the factual become the spiritual. That turns the spiritual becomes the actual and the factual. What happened in Acts chapter 2? I reckon God took a big lung full of air and he blew upon the earth and he sent the Holy Spirit why did they not live even though they rattled and clattled and come together and they had skin and flesh? And what? Because they didn't have no breath in them. You know, Adam was just this really groovy hunk of mud until God breathed into him. Looked good. Shape was fine. Didn't do anything until God breathed into him. If you're feeling stuck this morning, if you read the word, you recite the word, you know the word, but you're still feeling stuck, the next question is, God, would you fill me with your breath? Would you fill me with your breath? Many look together, many try and move and function, but they are stuck because you've got no breath in you. Many of us know the written word, but do we know the living word? Are we stuck in religion, hoping for a relationship? Verse 9, it says this, Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. What is the breath prophesied here? It's the Spirit of God. It's the grace of God. It is the enabling, empowering love of God that brings life. It instills hope, and it releases purpose. So not, let's not just hear the word. Let's receive the Spirit this morning. What do we need? We need the person of God. We need the word of God. And we need the breath of God. Today, I don't know, maybe you might feel like those bones. Dug up, dried up, broken up. Maybe life has kind of scorched you up a bit. Maybe you feel unsalvageable. I'm here to tell you this morning. The word of God says there is hope. The breath of God says there is life. God is life, he is hope, and through his breath he will bring purpose and he will open his plan up for you and his plan has never changed and never will. Matt, could I, could I get you to jump in? Oh, the, the, the worship team, you want to come? 
When we read the account of Jesus' life, it's clear that his heart was moved most by people's faith. This is, a, this is again, another one of the mind-bending things of God that I have experienced. He has the perfect plan for us, and yet he won't force his perfect plan on us. See, he, the Bible teaches us that God is perfect love, and for love to be perfect, love must allow us the freedom to choose. If God didn't let us choose, he would just be a benevolent dictator. And here's the crazy thing. God will give us every opportunity, but he will stand back, probably with a broken heart, aching in love, and watch us choose not to. I just wondered this morning, if I could, if, if, if I could ask you, if, could I ask if, if every eye would, would just, if you would just close your eyes, bow your heads. It's like we make this a solemn and a holy and a personal moment. Whatever your valley is, whatever or wherever your exile is, Jesus, our living hope, is the one who has the power to bring life to dry bones. The Holy Spirit is God on earth today, and He has the power to bring breath into your being. Miracles are possible. Freedom is possible. Breakthrough is possible. Life is in the Word and the breath in Jesus' name. And just with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just I, it would be remiss of me to not ask, do you know that life and hope that Jesus is this morning? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you? The Bible says if we will believe in our heart that Jesus is who He says He is, if we will confess with our mouth that He was crucified, buried, and and, and he rose again. The scripture says if we will do that honestly and deep within our hearts, we will be saved. And in this moment right here now, in these closing moments of the service, I want to ask, do you know Jesus? Or maybe you do know Jesus, but right now Jesus is kind of remote. He's a long way off and you are dry and scorched and feeling like you're in exile. And so just in this moment, I'm going to pause and I'm going to count to three. And then if you would like to, maybe for the first time, maybe for the tenth time, just say, actually, Jesus, yes. I want to choose you to be the life and the hope that my body and my life needs. I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand and I'll, I'll, I'll look around so I can acknowledge that. And um, I'm... This is a house of faith. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer to work on people's lives. And maybe your response this morning is actually, I know Jesus, but man, I'm in a valley right now. And I need some grace. I need some Holy Spirit breath. I need my bones to come back together because I'm feeling shattered and scattered. But by the power, by the Word of God and the breath of God, restoration is available. One, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because today is the day of salvation. Would you reach out to God and ask Him to wash your soul clean, repair your heart, and restore your life? Three, if that's you, just raise your hand right now. So look around the auditorium. Thank you. I see just down here in the front, up the back to my left, up to back to my left again. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Are there any more? God is here, the breath of God. 
the Spirit of God is here to repair, to heal, to bring hope again. Welcome home. Those of you who have lifted your hand, welcome home. Father, now by the power of your anointing, come a breath from the four winds of love upon this meeting. Bring your breath into that they may stand an exceedingly great hope. Jesus. Amen. Praise your mighty name. Hallelujah. Come on, can we put our hands together? Thank Pastor Tom for, for a great message right there. So good. Thank you so much. Can I draw your attention? I, lo- I love you if you just said yes to Jesus right there. And now for you, we have these orange connect cards here. Uh, these are a safe card for you to fill out. And you can just take the box. Uh, that you said yes to Jesus and one of our team uh, will be in touch during the week to help you on that journey. We've got a free Bible uh, for you and an information pack right then. If you just gave your heart to the Lord right then, uh, you'll see out in the, just outside the auditorium there, there's a bear. one of our team members with a blue Count Me In t-shirt. I've got a Bible and a pack for you right there. Can we please put our hands together for everyone who said yes to Jesus right then? So good, what a great, great decision. Uh, also, church family, if you want to be a part of a small group, maybe join our dream team. Uh, or if you've got a, a prayer request or a praise report, these are the cards uh, to end all cards, uh, and they are a safe card. I promise we won't turn up on your doorstep there, but we would love to.